Introduction G.K. Chesterton once said, quote, Art, like morality, consists in drawing the line somewhere, end quote. Permit me a moment to offer up a slight alteration of Gilbert Keith's quip. Art, like doctrine, consists in drawing the line somewhere. Doctrine, by definition, is drawing the line on the canvas of epistemology. When we formulate doctrines, we are sifting, to mix metaphors, through the dirt, looking for gold and other precious gems. When we find them, we acknowledge what they are, not what they are not. In other words, we acknowledge the gold to be gold, not not gold. The lines are lines, and we ought to defend them as such. Doctrine, like art, is not benefited or advanced by pretending the lines don't exist nor are we aided in any way by moving the lines based on the subjective whims of some relativistic beholder. Objectivity is a built-in feature of all doctrinal pursuit. Not only is it built in, objectivity is also presuppositionally required in order to even begin the pursuit. Its inherent native feature is one of antithesis, that is, there is a God who is there. Thank you, Francis Schaeffer. And that which is not God is not God. A is not at the same time non-A. We have thesis and antithesis. Paul spells it out in Romans 1 like this, creator and the creation. Moreover, our intentional pursuit of line drawing must be clear if we are going to offer up something meaningful to the social order in which we find ourselves. So, Consider this a canvas. Contrary to our current hodgepodge culture, whose present-day enlightenment struggle with rationalism, skepticism, and empiricism, has left it in the murky pool of nihilism, biblical Christianity gives us an objective standard that keeps us from limping between two opinions. 1 Kings 18.21 Van Til said that our choice is autonomy or theonomy self-law, or God's law. While I agree with Van Til's antithesis, for it is biblical, the current COVID-19 debacle has really set up another antithesis, decentralized healthcare versus centralized healthcare, or humanistic religion as expressed in the idolatry of statism versus Christian religion as expressed in self-government. To reject God and his law order, is to accede to idolatry, and idolatry is an extortionist. Idolatry is always polytheistic and collectivistic because idolatry thrives on subjectivism and incoherence. Psalm 115. Idols do best when 1. There is an authoritarian top-down power play, i.e. state control, unlawful mandates, forced medical procedures, etc. And 2. There are multiple gods in the pantheon, anyone and everything but King Jesus. This particular assertion is true based on the fact that idolatry cannot and does not give room for a fixed word. Furthermore, in the Christian scheme, knowledge must meet two criteria. One, it must be fixed, for God is transcendent and immovable at the risk of sounding too platonic. And two, it must be graspable for we are finite creatures who understand very little, i.e., we have to be able to receive it intelligibly. 
idolatry can't work in this paradigm because it rejects both of these presuppositions. It rejects the fixed transcendency of God and thus collapses into subjectivity. And it rejects intelligibility because it is perfectly comfortable with an incoherent and contradictory epistemology. And who's to say otherwise? To bring us back to our point, what we are dealing with are worldview foundations, questions of epistemology, and how we know things, and what do we do about the things we know. Our current handling of the COVID-19 self-imposed crisis has been nothing short of complete display of sheer ineptitude and manic subjugation. Many haven't sought out the foundations, but have instead assumed them. There has been a massive manipulation in the media, which has, in turn, caused incredible misunderstanding in the Christian church. The gods have failed us, and it is high time we call upon the name of the Lord. Let us, then, recapture the biblical antithesis so we can show the world what it means to be healed. Besides, a culture is only as good as its religion. If the religion is shoddy, the society becomes suicidal. Consequently, our greatest need right now is pure and undefiled religion because the lines matter. My aim here is to sort out the corona mess by revisiting Leviticus 13 and 14. This has undoubtedly become a source of much vexation as many religious leaders have appealed to it in order to justify a state misguided response. When the Warrington Declaration came out this past summer, we received very little pushback. In fact, most people embraced it with little qualms, signing and sharing and promoting the doctrinal line in the sand. There was one part, however, that seemed to trip up a small number of people, that being section 2, point XVIII, which reads, We affirm that these leprosy passages are related not to the spread of biological contagion, but of ceremonial uncleanliness, as it is evidenced by numerous factors. First, even the man covered head to toe with white leprosy was declared clean, Leviticus 13, 12 and 13, and it was permitted in the camp. Second, the stated reason for the general expulsion of lepers in the same reason given for the expulsion of those who touched a dead body or had a bodily discharge, not biological contagion, but ceremonial uncleanliness, which defiled the camp before the Lord. Numbers 5, 1 through 4. Third, nowhere in scripture is leprosy described as being biologically contagious. This leprosy also affected houses, Leviticus 14, verse 34, and garments, Leviticus 13, verse 47. Leprosy was not the same as modern-day Hansen's disease. Fourth, in order to prevent belongings in a leprous house from being declared unclean by the priest, the owner was permitted to empty the house of his possessions before the priest arrived for inspection, Leviticus 14.33-36, preventing biological contagion through sanitization, burning of objects was not in view here. The ceremonial practices associated with the now defunct Levitical priesthood have been made obsolete by Christ's greater priesthood, Hebrews 7 verse 12, and cannot be credibly invoked as providing civil government with jurisdiction over public health. There are some who argue that the civil magistrate has the God-given authority to quarantine anyone they choose. 
These are the gospel coalition-y two kingdom folks who generally don't use words like civil magistrate anyway. And then there are those who believe that the magistrate has the authority to quarantine the sick. Douglas Wilson has repeatedly made this argument, so has Matt Truella and others. For reference sake, let's just move down and have a little look at the footnotes here. R.J. Rushdoony asserts the following, and it must be admitted rather presumptuously, quote, The state has therefore a legislative power in dealing with plagues, epidemics, venereal diseases, and other contagious and dangerous diseases. Such legislation is plainly required in the Mosaic Law, Numbers 5, 1 through 4. Not only is it declared to be a matter of civil legislation, but an essential aspect of religious education, Deuteronomy 24, verses 8, end quote. Rusus John Rushdoony, The Institutes of Biblical Law, Volume 1. Now, my problem with Rushdoony's statement here is, one, he simply asserts this to be the case without any detailed exegesis of the applicable passages. Two, he assumes that Sara'at is some sort of venereal disease or contagion. The texts say nothing of the sort. Three, since the civil legislation was often intertwined with the religious aspect of Levitical law, it is sometimes hard to decipher. However, based on the priestly involvement in the protocols that Deuteronomy 24 verse 8 warns about, we can safely deduce the religious nature of the issue. Rush Dooney, in my view, glosses over this, thus conflating the civil and religious aspects of the ceremonial protocols. Also, Dr. Gary North attempts to defend the Leviticus 13 and 14 measures as containing transcendent applicability to modern practices of medical quarantine due to their judicial function, but simultaneously admits that it is not a concern about biological contagion. He then goes on to claim that since leprosy was judicially contagious, this means that the civil magistrate had jurisdiction over managing biological contagion. This is akin to saying that because scripture prohibits eating unclean food to prevent judicial punishment, that now the civil magistrate has the authority to force a specific diet on the population. North says elsewhere, quote, Conclusion these two chapters are primarily concerned with legal status rather than biological condition. If this was not the case, then why wasn't it mandatory to burn the furniture that had been moved outside the house? Why was the furniture contagious? Because this plague was not biologically transmitted, it was judicially transmitted. End, quote. End of footnote. Not only is there no compelling biblical argumentation for civil jurisdiction in this regard, there is little to no explanation on how that is to be accomplished. Thema? Yeah, right. This is especially concerning when it is coming from theonomists and other reconstructionists who believe in a very small, very limited civil government. To simply enforce this would likely necessitate an interminable amount of people employed by the government to essentially police everyone with a temp gun. Really? Are they stationed outside of every grocery store taking temperatures and checking papers? This is all, however, besides the point. The central question is, does Scripture grant the civil magistrate jurisdiction over public health? 
The Warrington Declaration, I believe, takes the correct approach. One I am convinced is exegetically superior in every respect. Namely, the civil magistrate has no jurisdiction over public health whatsoever. It may enforce trespassing laws, but it has no inherent right to enforce quarantines at all, not even for the symptomatic. Private property restrictions are the biblical means of addressing this issue. Granting the civil magistrate jurisdiction over public health is letting a bull into the china shop. Once you let the bull pass security, the glistening fine china is fair game. That bull is not leaving even if you ask nicely and remind him of the you break it, you buy it policy. What I intend to offer in this paper is a limiting principle that does not allow for even a modicum of government overreach. Even in times of a pandemic, and especially in a drummed up ostensible pandemic, if one decides to give the state absolute control of a quarantine, even if it's just the sick we're talking about, however that's defined, of course, the question remains, how is this not a slippery slope? Is this really what we want our current biofascist, technocracy-laden government doing? If the civil government has jurisdiction over public health, then what do we make of the rise in heart disease and the toll this health issue alone has put on the public health system more every year than even the highest COVID-19 death toll figures for one year. What prevents the civil government from monitoring and regulating your diet and imposing commensurate penalties for non-compliance? Furthermore, most theonomists agree that imposing God's law with leaders like Trump or Biden at the helm would be an absolute disaster anyway. 99.9% of the federal government is all excess and dross and unconstitutionally vacuous, let alone unbiblical and inherently tyrannical. Any consistent, liberty-loving Christian who cares deeply about God's law being the working paradigm in a social order would agree that we don't need the current charade that is resident Biden's White House handling much of anything as it pertains to justice. And why is that? Because they don't meet the character qualifications for being a ruler. They don't utilize the treasure that is biblical law. They are participating in an unjust system. And last but certainly not least, they don't know the Lord. They are ruled out ipso facto. That sort of duplicitous system is only worthy of being trampled underfoot. So why in the world do we have reformed Christians, who may be a lowercase t theonomist or even an uppercase t theonomist, arguing that the current civil government has a right and responsibility during this current pandemic to quarantine the sick, when the Bible provides no such jurisdiction for civil government? In any case... There are some who invoke Leviticus 13 and 14 as evidence that the magistrate has authority and jurisdiction over public health, and thus they possess the God-given power to quarantine the sick. To be clear, this is a line that should not be on the aforementioned canvas. I am going to explain why this is the case, why the civil authorities have no business whatsoever involving themselves in it. Footnote 7. Not to get too far ahead of myself, but the extent of the civil magistrate's involvement should be, perhaps, something like this. Hey guys, looks like there's a sickness going around. Look through your own eyeballs. 
use good judgment, and maybe slather your insides with vitamins and minerals, perhaps go to the free market that is in no way connected to our bloated centralized Leviathan, and check out things like ivermectin, intravenous zinc, and chlorine dioxide. We hear that this stuff works. That's about it. Honestly, after that very local judge is done saying his piece, he can put his hands back in his pocket and skip down the road whistling a tune, if he so pleases. End footnote. We begin by revisiting the context of the passage, and then the passage itself. The Bible, it is assumed, is our ultimate God-given authority. The lines come from here.